Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Look out, AFC and the rest of the football. The Buffalo Bills are really good. They are four and one. How did they lose to the Steelers? By the way, they're four <laughs> and one. And when you consider the tiebreaker, they're really three games up on the Chiefs. If it comes down to that, and the Chiefs are in last place. Welcome to the show. I'm saying all this before Jacob Gibbs gets on because he was, I believe, at the game last night. Big Chiefs fan. We'll talk to him in a little bit. I'm Adam Azor. I got Chris Towers here on this edition of Fantasy Football Today. Chris, are the Bills your current Super Bowl favorite? Current Super Bowl favorite? No. No, I think you would still have to go with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the favorite for the Super Bowl. I know they've got a lot of injuries in the secondary, but um, yeah, I, I think you still go with them. Okay. I think Sorry, that's... Arizona Cardinals fans. Yeah, well, we guess you probably should consider them too, right? 5-0. and oh. And also, a team that looks pretty good on defense. Who else? We got Tampa Bay's 4-1, and one, Green Bay's 4-1, and one, Cowboys 4-1. and one. Tennessee leads their division at 3-2. and two. Chargers are 4-1. and one. Yeah, Ravens Chargers are 3-1. Are... Chargers are pretty good too. They're fun. They're yeah. Fun. All right, let's Very see. Fun. Who leads the NFL? Which team leads wow. the NFL in point differential? What do you think? I just looked that up, oh. <laughs> and it's Buffalo by forty six points. They have they've outscored their opponents by twenty point one eight, twenty one point eight points per wow. game. I think, and I think they yeah. only had two or three games last year that they won by ten or more. They had a lot of close wins last year. Yeah, and um, it's a little bit fantasy relevant because it's helping Zach Moss, who is the fourth quarter clock killer. He has 16 carries in the fourth quarter in his four games, most of any quarter, and and Devin Singletary has seven in those four games. So let's talk about Buffalo 38 and Kansas City 20, and we got some big injury news here. Clyde edwards helaire has a sprained MCL. He will be out a few weeks. Their upcoming schedule is you'll be scrambling to get Daryl Williams on your team. At Washington, at Tennessee, Giants, Packers. That's their next four. At Washington, at Tennessee, Giants, and Packers. Um, so, yeah, I guess we could take the injury approach because Travis Kelsey also got hit in the head. Tyreek Hill was a little banged up. Uh, mm-hmm. But Daryl Williams, is he the clear number one waiver wire priority going into week six? Wow, six already. No, no, I think Devontae Booker is. I mean, we'll see what the extent of Saquon Barkley's injury is. It- Thankfully, didn't look like a uh, a high ankle sprain, but we'll know more, you know, hopefully later today or tomorrow. But I, I think Devontae Booker is much more likely to dominate snaps and touches for the Giants than Daryl Williams is for the Chiefs. Uh, I saw Dave tweeted after Glenn edwards Elair left the game. Williams played 76% of the snaps. Jarek McKinnon played 24. It'll be interesting to see what that looks like 
you know, with a week to prep because, you know, Williams is not someone who one, he's not like a gigantic back. He's not small, but you know, he's never really done like a full workload. And so only in the playoffs. Yeah. He's, he's actually never had a regular yeah. season game with more than 10 carries. Yeah. And, and the playoffs, it was what the one out of the three games that he started and he only had 13 carries and both of the, the two bigger games for him. I think, I so think he I'm, had two, I think he started two games. Oh yeah. It doesn't matter. One, he had, but, you're right. He yeah. had 13, he had 13 carries in, in the first two playoff games and he performed, he did really well. You know, he like based on what he did in those two games, 13 carries, 78 yards, plus four catches against Cleveland, 13 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown, one catch against Buffalo. That, you told me he was going to do that, get 13 carries, he would be my number one priority. Uh, you, based on what you're, based on what we've read so far, you think we don't know the timeline on Barkley? Because, I mean, they're hoping for maybe maybe one or two weeks. Uh, I don't know. I feel like Clyde Ebersiller looks like a little more extended absence. I mean, it said... Miss a few weeks is the report uh, from Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport, one of those two guys. It's always one of those two guys. Um, (laughs) Yeah. But the injury wasn't as bad as it looked was the report. They expect him to miss a few weeks. I don't know if he's going to go on IR, but if he doesn't go on IR, then you probably assume he'll be back in time for week eight. Eight. Yeah. So we'll see, you know, what that looks like. But no, if given this a similar amount of time missed, I would rather have Devontae Booker. Okay. the, The way the... The Giants have used their running backs. You know, we saw with um, I'm blanking Gallman. on the name now. Oh, come on, man. Wayne Gallman, yes, last <laughs> season. Uh, you know, he did have that five or six game stretch. He was getting consistent work. Um, so I think, assuming they get somewhat similar amounts of time as the lead back or the, you know, whatever lead back you want to call it, quasi lead back, I think both, uh, I think Devontae Booker will be better than Darrell Williams. One of the determining factors for me, I think, would be Daniel Jones, because I know Glennon was okay, sure. and Booker actually scored two touchdowns with Glennon in the game. The first play was at the goal line right after the Jones injury. You're not going to know if Jones is playing next week or this upcoming week when you make your waiver claims on Tuesday or yeah. Wednesday. But if they're facing the Rams and the Panthers with Mike Glennon, I'm not going to be too excited about Devontae Booker. He's going to have to score, sure. I think, to save his game. But that's for uh, that's a topic for the Tuesday show. Let's talk about the fantasy stuff from this game. By the way, Tyreek Hill just saw not expected to miss time. He has a minor knee injury. Still no mm-hmm. update on Kelsey. Uh, Josh Allen, three, three games where he's been kind of meh and two huge games with 40 points, but you put it together, he's having a huge year. He looks great. What do you think about Moss? Nobody's going to have faith to start Singletary, but... Moss, he had the three catches, but I don't know. It, it, it was it was five of his eleven carries came on the last drive of the game when they were up mm-hmm. by eighteen points. They had the same amount of carries before that. Singletary and Moss. So is this encouraging for Moss? Like, how do you view him going forward? He's a number three running back for me. I have a hard time seeing him being anything more than that. Um, he did play like seventy percent of the snaps in this one, which is. Uh, Surprising and a change, and you know, obviously he had more targets, four to two. So, if that continues, I think there's a lot to like there. But the way this running back situation has worked over the last few years is it's been very much close to 50 50 most weeks. Um, even you know, this was the first time that Moss had played more than 56% of the snaps. They don't typically throw to their running backs very much, their running backs don't typically get a lot of touchdowns. I know Moss does have four and four games, but I just don't know how 
sustainable that is. We saw he didn't get in the end zone yesterday. I think Josh Allen did have a rushing touchdown in this one. Yeah, he did. Um, and I just, I think he's a low end starting option, you know, with the bye weeks coming up and with how many injuries he, we have, I, I was meaning to look through it earlier. How many teams have a different starting running back for week six or project to have a different running back than they did in week one? Oh, that's a fun exercise. It's the bills. Cause Zach Moss wasn't healthy in week one or didn't play in week one. Sorry. The jets, the Ravens, the Patriots, the, right? The Patriots because, because Harris is injured. Oh, Harris, Harris is hurt. Yeah. So that's three of four teams in the AFC East. Uh, not the Bengals, not the Steelers, not the Titans, not the Colts, not the Texans, I guess. <laughs> um, Baltimore. The, yeah, the Ravens. Probably, we'll see. We'll uh, see what happens tonight. The Chiefs. Mm-hmm. The Giants. I'm up to seven. The Bears. The Vikings, maybe. Maybe. The Buccaneers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe the Panthers. Maybe the probably Panthers, not. right? Falcons? Not necessarily no. the Falcons, no. though, kind of. They're on a bye um, anyway, but yeah. Maybe the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah. With Edmonds injury, I don't yeah. Um the Rams. Well, I guess not technically. No, the not the Rams. It wasn't starting in week one. Seahawks. I mean you're looking at like Seahawks. the 49ers and the Seahawks. <laughs> yeah. That's that's gotta 14, be close to I half think? the league. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's um all right, let me let me get back to this game here so we can um we can get to some more stuff here before Jacob hops on. And uh all right, Stefan Diggs. Number 27 wide receiver in non-PPR, number 24 in PPR so far, on pace for 1,200 receiving yards and three touchdowns. So I know we're not believing, you know, the touchdown's obviously bad luck. He's still getting almost 10 targets per game. But, yes, just, I don't know, not nearly as productive. So are you concerned about Diggs, and is Dawson Knox a must-start now? Um... Anyone who's getting targets at tight end can be a must start. And I think Dawson Knox is among the higher end of the group of, well, I guess he's a must start guy by default, but like I wouldn't have him ranked over Dalton Schultz for sure. Because basically what we're seeing with Knox is it's just touchdowns. Like yesterday he did have a big play and that's two, great. Two big plays. Yeah. Still only four targets. And that is Which just led the team, I think. Or uh, no, I think there were four players who had four or five targets. Uh, only twenty-five. Yeah, passes. Diggs and Sanders both had five. Um, not right. So the targets were not high, but only 20, 26 passes for Josh Allen. I did want to mention that. To yeah, I think Knox is probably going to be in like the tight end eight to twelve range most weeks, as long as he keeps this up. But it's really hard to keep scoring touchdowns as the at the pace he is. He's at what five in five games, yeah. five on 25, 24 targets. So. Right, let me, so let me ask you this: Would you rather yeah. have Knox or Hawkinson rest of season? Oh, Hawkinson for sure. Would you yeah. rather have Knox or Pitts? Pitts for sure. Would you rather have anyone other than the top six tight ends on draft day over Dawson Knox? You say Schultz. I would rather have Schultz for sure. Um, Gosh, let me look at a list of I mean the there's names. like Hunter Henry, Logan Thomas when he gets back. Let's Logan say- Thomas if he's healthy, but that's yeah, I think you're in that in that group. I, I don't think there's like he's he's right at eight to twelve, I think. But okay. it's also possible that he goes three weeks without a touchdown, 
has 35 yards per game. And we're talking about dropping him by week eight. You know, I get. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's just touchdowns right now. He's averaging 52 yards per game, but that's mostly because of last week. He was averaging around 40 before that. So I just. If you have a pulse and you're getting targets, you can be a starting caliber tight end. And if you're in a good offense and you score a bunch of touchdowns, you can be more than that. But the touchdowns part is the only real argument for Knox. And that's the hardest thing to sustainably produce. You might be surprised to know that Tyree Kill is the number two wide receiver in fantasy because he has had such an up and down year, but he has 516 yards. He has 10, he has 10 targets per game, uh, which is just like crazy for Tyree Kill and four touchdowns. But it is a little frustrating, this bumpy road that he's on. I don't think anyone is starting him or, or sitting him rather or anything like that. No. And, and he's still, we still think he's awesome. Uh, did you answer about Diggs? I mean, are you concerned at all about Diggs at least living up to the draft type? I mean, he is being used more as a downfield guy than he was last season. His average depth of target is right around 15 last year is right around 10 to 11. So, you know, that could explain the lower target, the, the lower catch rate and the slightly less predictable performance. But no, I'm not that concerned about him. He's, he's still going to be a top five to seven wide receiver for me in week six. Okay. That will conclude the game, I believe. Mahomes with his first game, I think, with fewer than three touchdown passes. Interceptions have become a problem. Yeah, uh, they got. And last up. year, I think he led the NFL in interceptable passes that weren't caught. So, oh yeah, you know, given the way he plays, that's not all that surprising. Right. He takes a lot more risks than most most players. He throws downfield a lot more than most players. Um, right. But I'm not worried about it being anything that dramatically impacts his value. He's a gunslinger. Okay, yeah. we got a couple things to promote here. First of all, uh, we do these podcasts. You can see the video on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. but now we're doing them live. All of them are going to be live, if not all, close to all. So the Tuesday, the Monday episode, this one here, 2-ish p.m. We might be a little late, by the way, but we'll be very close to on time. 2 p.m. Eastern, <clears throat> and then the Tuesday and Friday shows, 8.30 a.m. Eastern, they're all going to be live, and we do the Sunday night show at about 8.15 p.m. Eastern, all live on YouTube, youtube.com slash today. If you have not subscribed to the newsletter yet, you're really missing out. Chris does an amazing job with it um, every day, cbssports.com slash newsletters. There are a bunch of new – we have several newsletters. And they're just – they're free, and they go right to your inbox. Um, yeah, so there's no reason not to get it. You'll get caught up on all the advice and all the news that you need, cbssports.com slash newsletters. Check it out. News and notes. Tom Brady has the, a thumb injury, less than ideal that he has to play on Thursday. Right now, he is going to play. Uh, this will have to be monitored and cared for, I guess, throughout the season. But I don't think there's anything we're doing here about Tom Brady. Uh, no, it certainly does not seem to have affected him. Yeah, he, he played most of the game yesterday with his 400 yards and five touchdowns. Yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster is out for the season. Now, we do have a question, a topic today about year two wide receivers that have been a little bit underwhelming on the whole, and Chase Claypool's one of them. This obviously helps Chase Claypool. Juju had eight, eight or nine or seven or eight targets, I can't remember, in the three games that he didn't leave with an injury. So he was a pretty big part of the offense from that perspective. And both times he left with an injury, Claypool just went off almost immediately after. So I'm um, looking forward to talking about that. But obviously this stinks. 
Uh, is there like a, another Pittsburgh receiver that you're, you know, James Washington or something, or or is this no, like just this is this offense? I mean, I, I know they were decent yesterday. Ben Roethlisberger did average almost ten yards per attempt, but it was basically two long plays, and the rest of it looked more or less like the Steelers have for the last year plus. Um, I think Chase Claypool will be in the wide receiver two to three discussion moving forward. Um, interesting that he only played 55% of the snaps yesterday. I wonder how much of that was just because of the hamstring injury. What we've seen when either Deontay Johnson or Juju Smith-Schuster has been out over the last two seasons is that's when he starts to play a full snap share. Otherwise, he's been more in the 70% range. So hopefully that was just because he was coming back from the hamstring injury yesterday. Um, and yesterday was kind of a weird game for the Steelers because their offense moved the ball and scored efficiently. And they ran the ball really well. I don't think really you well. can count on that. Yeah. yeah. I don't think you can count on that moving <laughs> forward. Samaje Pirine and a starting guard for the Bengals are on the reserve COVID list. Joe Burrow went to the hospital for a possible throat contusion, but he's fine, thankfully. Justin Fields played through a hyperextended knee. They don't think he's going to miss any time. They have the, Pat, the... Wow. The Bears, I think they're three and two. They are... I'm not sure they're going to win five games all season. Their schedule is brutal. Oh, yeah. Green Bay, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Detroit, Arizona, Green Bay, Minnesota, Seattle, Giants, Minnesota. Like, they've got Detroit and the Giants on there, and those are the only games that I think they'd be favored in right now. Yeah, I think those are probably the only two they're favored in. Maybe home versus Minnesota. Maybe, Yeah, maybe. You never know. I mean, look, injuries could happen to other teams and whatnot, but they've got a brutal stretch. Baltimore wide receiver Rashad Bateman will not play tonight. He's looking to make his debut next week. Max Williams is out for the season for Arizona. Is he officially out for the season or likely out for the season? Likely out for the season, yeah. Okay. Uh, Quintez Cephas broke his collarbone, so Amonra St. Brown, uh, less competition for him, and I guess for Hawkinson and uh, Waiver Wire Show, we'll talk about that. And we don't. Yeah, have- are we going to talk about Hawkinson later on in the show? Not in this show. No. I just want to get one. I yeah. just looked it up. He's basically the exact same guy he was last season. Like his target share is actually, I think, slightly down, like 0.5 percent. His yards per target are identical. His touchdown rate is identical. Um, it's weird. Like they are. He he's on pace for more targets, more yards, uh, etc. Because they're throwing more, but. This was my concern coming into the season that he just wasn't one good enough to just become a number one wide receiver or number one target in an offense and continue to thrive that way. And two, just players earn targets. You know, it's not like at running back where opportunity drives so much of a player's value. When a player goes down or a depth chart gets uh, lighter, a player doesn't always or even typically just naturally see a growth in in target share targets are earned by players but he had a lot of targets last year he had had 100 targets right but his target share was about 17 percent, and that's right around where it is right now i think it was 17.2 it's 16.8 this this year well he's like that he himself said that they're that teams are scheming to take him out of the game he's the number one priority that's that's not a good thing for him no no not at all and then that's that that was my concern coming into the season that like Darren Waller can be a number one wide receiver in an offense. He's that talented. I just don't think TJ Hawkinson is that guy. 
All right, well, look, he's had two great games and three kind of stinkers. If he, if he has a great yeah. game against the Bengals, then, and he probably won't, he's, then we'll he's be having a, a different discussion. Guy. Yeah. All right, like, let me, let me, let's get going here because we are yeah. uh, running behind. Uh, Giants injuries, we don't know, basically. We don't know on, on any of them. I think Shepard and Slayton have a pretty good chance to play this week since they didn't go on IR, and this would be week three. They are mm-hmm. playing the Rams. Levante David could miss some time. Tampa Bay's linebacker. Miami's hopeful for Tua this week. Houston doesn't seem quite as hopeful for Tyra Taylor this week. Ryan, Fitz, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick could be back in week seven. And Jarvis Landry could play this week. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll get to our five big topics with Jacob Gibbs. Uh, we'll talk about streaming players against good matchups. We'll talk about the Seahawks wide receivers and the Giants injury situation right now because they're, you know, you've know you got two players who are going to be among the most added, and then Shepard, too, is like 65% rostered or something. So we'll be right back to talk about our five big topics going into week six. Jeremy Renner returns to Paramount Plus for a brand new season of the original hit series, Mayor of Kingstown. My job is to create a balance, avoid a war. From executive producer Taylor Sheridan, co-creator of Yellowstone. There's some new players in town, and they brought the flag. And Antoine Fuqua, director of Training Day. I know it's always been a war zone, Mike, but this is next level. The mayor is back in business. Are you warning me? You're going to find out. Mayor of Kingstown. New season streaming June 2nd, exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome back. Here he is, ladies and gentlemen, fresh off Sunday night football in Arrowhead, <laughs> Jacob Gibbs. How was uh, yeah. your experience? Hey, you're standing up. Hey. That's, that's the big thing, yeah. Standing yeah. up for the first time, not in bed. So I thought maybe you I thought maybe like you had like one of those wheelie beds that they took you to the stadium in. You were just like <laughs> laying down, watching the game, field level. No. I know no, it was yeah, a disappointing result, but how was the game? It was all right. Um, it was kind of hard to the back. I couldn't really sit down very much. I had to move around a lot. But that was fine because I was doing a lot of angry brooding and just striding around the, <laughs> the stadium as I watched the Chiefs just get embarrassed again. Uh, yeah. yeah I got was, some problems. We actually left early because of the weather delay. We didn't know if they're going to play it out or not. And like I had to work today and my other friends had to work as well. So luckily we didn't stick around for the, uh, the second half because it got even worse. <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying good, to identify how many. I'm trying to see how many of the albums behind you I can identify. Hmm. The stuff but that just you can from s- this view with very with the very small ones. I'm just trying to test myself now. Yeah, I've okay, been I've got, you, there's some pretty obscure stuff on there. I have got. <laughs> let's see, one, two, three. So I've got zero. I've got zero of them. I can <laughs> identify any. Uh, Abbey Road rumors. Yeah, there's some more uh, mainstream stuff. On Jimi the Hendrix experience, of course. Van Halen. Three it's of a cool them, wall. four of them there. All right, big topic yeah. number one. <laughs> yeah, let's talk some football. <laughs> From John J. Douglas. Streaming players against the NFL's worst teams versus starting your studs in not-so-friendly matchups. What are your thoughts on this, Jacob? I think it's, for me, it's circumstantial. I kind of prefer to take case by case. I don't, I guess, firmly believe in, like, one philosophy over the other. Um, I think generally I give more consideration to projectable volume than matchup factors. So I guess that does put me on the side of like starting your studs, um, generally speaking. But I think we're talking about a stud who is underperforming and has like does have troubling usage indicators like Allen Robinson or uh, maybe Jonathan yeah. Taylor or someone like that. Um, I have no problem benching them when they're in a tough matchup. Um, so yeah, I, I think it more than anything, I don't think you should, you know, restrict yourself to one philosophy here. I think you take case by case. <laughs> Hundred percent. I view it much the same way. I mean, my my projection, my my rankings process starts out with 
you know, trying to predict or project team usage, team production, and then going down from there. And, you know, I'll definitely make adjustments for matchups, but I, I tend to think like it's like a 15%, 15% kind of thing where it's like maybe the bottom three and the top three teams in terms of matchups are the ones that really matter. You know, you could say top five, but generally speaking, like it's like a bell curve in terms of like the, the performance of defenses and where they matter. Most teams fall within a very wide range or a pretty narrow range in terms of the impact they have on the opposing defenses. And, you know, obviously then it depends on what kind of stats you're talking about when you're looking at matchups. Like I personally don't really care about like versus tight ends, fantasy points allowed. That's one of the stats that I just like, there is so much noise in there that is so dependent on who defenses have played a team that faces Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller is probably going to have bad numbers against tight ends, but that doesn't necessarily mean they can't cover tight ends. So there's a lot that goes into it. I agree with with Jacob. It's not any one thing at all times, Um, but generally speaking, I do tend to start my studs when they are studs. Yeah. Allen Robinson not being one. Right. And as far as, you know, fantasy points against tight ends, you have to look at the matchup, look at the opponents, right? It's it's not just yeah. some teams are really bad against tight ends and haven't faced good tight ends. So you right, can, sure. I think, pick those out. But obviously, like the Ravens have faced some of the best tight ends in football. They faced Kelsey. They faced Waller. They faced Hawkinson. Oh, yeah. who there's else? Like, yeah, the, the thing with, with like tight ends is there's like one or two every year. Or there yeah, are different true. defenses Dallas that play sucks. a certain way. Like... Well, hold on, Chris. I, I don't want to. I, I just. I don't want to get the same thing happened last week. So I'll just move on. Well said, guys. And uh, I will say that this year, to me, is the least matchupy year that I can remember. Uh, I don't think that there are many defenses that I fear this year. I think the Bills are the one right now. And when you look at what they have done against the Steelers' wide receivers, against Terry McLaurin, against Tyreek Hill. I w- this is when, you know, stud receiver against the Bills. I'm not saying you sit them, but you downgrade them a little bit. This this is like the one. But the, there's I don't see a lot of cornerbacks that are shadowing anymore. Jalen Ramsey isn't shadowing anymore. So, I mean, it's it's a huge deal. And I am finding myself less, less focused on the matchups than ever, except with one, with Bills against receivers and with uh, any running back facing the Bucks. Okay. Yeah, and, and then there, there's like... Oh, Trayvon Diggs is this shutdown corner now. Well, he has a lot of interceptions, but like, oh, he's still doing a pretty good job though. The only guy he can't stop right. is Kadarius Tony. <laughs> well, DJ Moore, but DJ, DJ Moore, but he didn't shadow game. DJ Moore. Right, right. He but shadowed that's like, Mike that, Evans. That effect doesn't really unless the well, yes, you have to you somebody, have to understand. It you have to look at where these guys line up. Mike Evans is on that side of the field so often. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, there's a lot that goes into it, but you're just not seeing that many cornerbacks sticking on a receiver this year. All right. Uh, what do we think about the Seattle wide receivers? This is from drew and everyone else about, uh, the Seattle wide receivers with Russell Wilson out the next month, Jacob. Um, it definitely adds more volatility to the equation for both these guys. Um, but overall I'm not too worried about either. Um, but yeah, I mean, just like, so, so Metcalf had really been putting together kind of a, dominant stretch um, where he was, you know, really commanding 25 to 30% target share consistently. And like that type of a trend might just go out the window now that there is a quarterback change, stuff like that is possible. Um, 
But I still I still think he's a top five, top six wide receiver. Lockett, I You I still think, think Metcalf's top five or six without Russell Wilson? I think so. I just I trust the underlying data more than I maybe should. But most of the time, if there's a receiver who's good enough to demand that type of target share, they're going to. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. And I understand like there are going to be more down weeks for sure. But I like, love you, Jacob, but boy, do I disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think that's fair. Yeah, I think because that's fair. They, well, they have got to solve their biggest problem. They've run the fewest plays in the NFL. Right. And he's just not getting all that many targets. And he's got the second most touchdowns in the NFL, Metcalf, but he's not top 10 in yards. He's not top 10 in catches. So I think if the touch, and we know Wilson just is such a touchdown machine, right? If the touchdowns yeah. aren't there, then I'm very, I'm just worried about both of them. Um, I think it's going to be, more like Amari Cooper than Amari Cooper without Dak than than Michael I just Thomas think he's without so Breeze. Much better than Amari Cooper. I think he's one of the best receivers in the NFL. I do like too. We've seen that ascent from the time he's come in. He's just gotten better and better and better in all of his rate stats. And like, I think there are some guys who are good enough to transcend the situation. I think he might be that good. I don't and, know. And I- I will say not having Russell Wilson probably helps their volume problem because part of their volume problem is they hit on so many big plays that their drives don't necessarily last all that long, but it's not like they have a problem scoring the ball. You know, this isn't last year's Houston Texans who had a really low play volume, but it was because their offense stunk. This is because they're ending a lot of plays after three drives with Russell Wilson hitting someone for a 50 yard touchdown. So what do you think, Chris Metcalf and Lockett? I think you have to downgrade them. Like, I, I don't think DK Metcalf is going to be 10 yards per target with Geno Smith. However, you know, if he keeps getting around eight targets per game and he's at, you know, eight yards per target or eight and a half, you know, he's going to be pretty good in that regard either way. You know, you're probably still looking at 70 yards per game. So I, I don't really, I, I'm not downgrading him too much. He's probably more like a low end wide receiver one and Lockett more like a, you know, sort of, unpredictable wide receiver too, but I think I'm probably still going to be starting them. Like Geno Smith isn't the worst quarterback in the NFL. I don't know how good he is. He really hasn't played much uh, in, a, in a while, and he's played on some bad teams. He didn't play with DK Metcalf and yeah. Tyler Lockett. So would you trade either of them for Debo Samuel? I would trade Lockett for Samuel. I think so, although I have somewhat similar concerns if Trey Lance remains the quarterback for the 49ers, which I don't necessarily think will happen. Um, yeah. All so, right. yeah. Okay, let's go to our next one from DJ Caso. New York Giants, stay away? Question mark, question mark. <laughs> I mean, yeah, in general, like you're definitely going to be better off adhering to that philosophy. I think my experiences with Giants being on my team almost never <laughs> seem to be good ones. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think... I, I really think that they, they have made some serious progress for the first time in a long time. If Daniel Jones yeah. is healthy, I, I do think they'll be able to throw the ball fairly well. Um, they've had they've had a 94-yard receiver or more in four or five games. I mean, they're, they're producing. They're just not, you know, it, yeah. they have been pretty solid. Let me see. They're, they're 22nd in scoring, but they're ninth in yards per play. They just stink in the red zone, 30th in touchdown percentage in the red zone. But uh, they're 12th in pass attempts. And they probably will still be 12th after Monday Night Football. So if Jones is healthy, then, yeah, I mean, I have some interest in the receivers, but I do think this is so tough because you've seen Shepard be awesome. 
You saw Galladay mm-hmm. awesome in week four without Shepard and Slayton. You saw Tony awesome, uh, good in week four and, and incredible. I believe he set a rookie record yesterday, most receiving yards in a game. And they was, I don't know if that was a Giants record or a rookie record. A certain, I don't think it was an all-time rookie okay. record. Then it was a Giants record over Beckham. Almost certainly a rookie record for players who were ejected from the game for throwing a punch. <laughs> and reportedly right. not expected to be su- suspended. He's, he's a, yeah, he seems he to have a little bit of an emotions problem. Uh, but, uh, but like, who doesn't? But look at look at how well these receivers are doing. It's it's really yeah. I can't just turn my back on them. I Giants fan and all. They're starting to show no. some progress here. If they have Daniel Jones, I'll, I will. I mean, I, th- I think Kadarius Tony is an absolute must add without question. Yeah, for sure. And Booker is yeah. too, because he's, you know, now a starting running back yeah. for some time. I think eventually that, that receiving group is going to be too crowded for there to be like multiple standouts. Um, but those guys have to get healthy. And right now we don't know if Kenny Galladay is going to play in week six. We don't know if Sterling Shepard is going to play in week six. So, I think definitely Kadarius Tony's a, a must-add this week. I'm, I was shocked he was only 19% rostered. I figured that would have gone up a little more after yeah. week four. Wasn't my fault. Yeah, good usage in week four too. <laughs> I yeah. tried. I, yeah, that was yeah. that was one of those leagues. That was I, I added him in a few leagues, like as a beat the waiver wire guy on Friday and Saturday night. Um, if you could have one Giants yeah. receiver rest of season, who would it be? I was really high in Shepard coming into the year. I think it might be Tony. That I, I actually am really excited about what we saw last week. I don't know if you saw. I tweeted this right before the show started, but he was targeted on 54% of his routes run in week five because he did get ejected. He only ended up, I think, running 24 routes. And so, like, over the past wow. 10 years, he's one of just six receivers in the past 10 years to run 20-plus routes and be targeted on over half their routes. The other ones are Devontae Adams, Julio Jones, prime Demarius Thomas, uh, early career Mike Evans, and early career Jarvis Landry when they were just like target hogs. And wow. it's just like, that's crazy. <laughs> like, I, I, He looked really good. Did you guys, Have you guys watched watch, like, all his targets? Oh, yeah. Yes. And that one like, play down awesome. the sideline was like, oh. I did not think that was the kind of play he could make. Even the play he, like, he got ejected on. And, yeah. Yeah, no, I, you know what? I, I agree. Like, I know he can make plays with the ball after the catch, but can he be yeah, like a I, downfield receiver? That that question needs to be answered. So that was, you're right, because that play was the most eye-opening. The, the one he got yeah, ejected on. I thought he was going to be like a gadgety guy. He gained like three extra like, yards on that play. Just That's what he, he does. He had like well over 100 air yards. Like I yeah. think his eight-out was almost 10 yards. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. it was an impressive performance for sure. I was poo-pooing him on the start-sit show on Sunday morning, and he definitely... Made me look pretty dumb. All right, let's go to Joe Morena. This is a good question here. How about the year two wide receivers? They're usually prime candidates for breakouts, but other than Jefferson and a half a game for Judy, it doesn't seem to be happening through five weeks. What's the rest of season outlook on the year two receivers? And we don't even have to talk about Jefferson. He's actually on pace for for more catches, yards, and touchdowns than he was than he had last year. Um, but Lamb we might is, be. Yeah, we might be pretty close to just talking about Justin Jefferson as the best wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, yeah, he's so good. Yeah, he's great. Probably needs to make a few more high-profile spotlight plays for people to get to think that needs you know? to needs to make like a one-handed catch on a Monday Night Football or something. <laughs> he he does like you know it's hard when you see Tyree Kill all the time doing amazing things or Devontae Adams, you know, but Jefferson's sort of in the background. All right, but Lamb is uh, outside the top twenty. Higgins has. Uh, 150 yards in three games. That's that's like 50 a game. Uh, Brandon Ayuk's been awful. Claypool, I am excited about now. Chenault 
has had one good game. <sighs> yeah, so that was real disappointing yesterday. Yeah, yeah, it really was. Chris, I'll give, what do you think? Like, who's the next after Jefferson? Who's the next best year two receiver? Uh, it's Lamb, I think. Um, the cow. It's it. A big part of it is the Cowboys' volume just hasn't been what we thought it would be, and I don't quite know what to make of that. Even yesterday, I think they only threw the ball at thirty three times, something like that, and so. That's actually, I think, uh, Dak Prescott's second highest pass volume oh, yeah. of the year by far. Uh, and this was a team that we thought was going to throw the ball that we thought was going to average forty pass attempts per game. So it's been really hard to make sense of that. But he's actually, you know, CeeDee Lamb's been great on a per target basis, nine point two yards per target. He's doing it with, you know, very similar a dot to last year, but he's getting more volume. So I I view him still as a probably more like a number two wide receiver, but that's what he was coming into the season for me. He was right around 14. So I'm not super disappointed. Obviously, you know, after the first couple of games, we thought, okay, maybe both Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb could be top 12 guys. I think they're both still top 20 guys. And I think Lamb is definitely the best of the second year guys. I think Higgins is probably third for me. I think I think I might go Claypool over Higgins right now. And honestly, it wouldn't shock me if Jerry Judy, even missing week six, maybe week seven, it wouldn't shock me if he ends up being the second best. Uh, but Jacob, what about you? Who do you think is the second best behind Jefferson? Um, I guess I would say Lamb as well. I, I don't love what we've seen from Dallas. I think that either Higgins or Claypool, or I guess Judy, could vault to that number two spot. Um, really, I think we haven't seen enough yet, um, to re- like enough discouraging Point data points from any of these guys yet to really preclude any of them from a second half breakout. I think Ayuk. Uh, yes, I think. yeah, actually, he's I the, the one. Yeah, I forget about Ayuk, which is so sad. So did Kyle Shanahan. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, but yeah, Claypool, Higgins, Lamb, Darnell Mooney, um, Chanel. Oh, Mooney, I, I seen, forgot about him. Yeah, yeah, and like he's he's really had exciting. Like he more than any of those names in terms of the step from year one to year two, his data is really really exciting. Um, but yeah, each of the other guys have actually upped their, you know, target per route run rate, um, from year one to year two, it's coming a small sample size for Higgins, but like his Higgins underlying usage in the first two games was really, really good. Um, and I think it's possible that the injury maybe kind of derailed him, cost him enough momentum that now, you know, he is going to be prioritized behind, behind Jamar chase. That's what we saw last week. Um, chase finally had like the underlying, you know, volume numbers that backed up the production mm-hmm. and maybe it'll be like that going forward. But I think it's also possible that, you know, Higgins starts, to be targeted like the wide receiver one again. He only played about yep. two thirds of the snaps this week. So I, I think it's possible he's kind of eased in this week. And it just re- wouldn't surprise me if he gets back yep. to being targeted like the wide receiver one going forward. He's got a 26% target share on the season. Right. Which is actually technically tops on the team. Um, weirdly, Boyd and uh, Chase are at 25%. You usually don't see that, but obviously Higgins missing two games plays a part mm-hmm. in that. Um, but yeah, no, I think Higgins could absolutely still be the wide receiver 1A or 1B in this offense. Yeah, this in is terms really of targets at least. This is what I was saying a lot in the preseason is I I am I'm obsessed with your two receivers, but I hated their situations. Almost all of them had bad situations. And it's sort of playing out that way. It's kind of weird in Dallas because the situation I thought was that they had three top wide receivers to split the tar- targets. You know, Gallup not top, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. And it's not that Gallup is hurt, but it's that they're Schultz. they're the most run heavy and they're the one of the most run heavy teams, and they don't throw. Uh, yeah. And and then you're getting Gallup back pretty soon too. So 
that's an issue. Higgins, how about this? I hope these stats are updated. Sometimes it takes a day for, for pro football reference to update. But what I'm seeing right now, Joe Burrow has 10 pass attempts in the red zone. 10. Oh, yeah. Tom Brady has 39. Uh, Mahomes has 28, and he's like sixth. You know, Matt Josh Ryan has 38 for Josh Allen. Yeah. Dak Prescott has 25. Joe Burrow has 10. T. Higgins, despite missing two games, leads the team, according to Pro Football Reference. Again, these might be outdated, but I believe these stats because everything from Chase has been deep. Uh, leads the team in red zone and green zone targets, barely. But he, that might be his role. It might be what saves him. Yeah, mm-hmm. Higgins has been targeted on 45% of his routes in the red zone. Oh, like, wow. He's been true. clearly the guy for Burrow. And it's a small sample size, only three games, but... All right, so, so we're, still optim- we're still optimistic about these guys. Like, does anybody share my optimism for Chase Claypool? He's had four games this year. He's had 70 or more yards in three of them, and the one that he didn't was against Buffalo in week one, and we know how good they are. So I'm super optimistic about Claypool as a player. I was really excited by what we saw last year on the field and his uh, underlying data, and like it's been good this year as well. It's mm-hmm. just such a fragile offensive environment. So yeah. like for this year, I really don't have much confidence just because I have no idea what it's going to look like in a month in Pittsburgh. I I do think for him, you know, when Juju and Deontay Johnson have been healthy, he's been a clear third in routes, run snaps, all that stuff. You know, even though Juju and Deontay play a lot in the snot slot slot, when there's two wide (laughs) receivers on the field, (laughs) when there's two wide receivers on the field, it tended to not be chase Claypool. Yeah. Um, Now that'll change. He will be the, the, in the two wide receiver sets and that's going to help him. I don't believe in Ben Roethlisberger whatsoever, but I think there is room in this offense for three viable fantasy options. As bad as his arm is, he is willing to throw the ball downfield to chase Claypool, and I I think that'll help. And I think I'm not expecting him to break out and be like a superstar, but I think Chase Claypool will probably be in the top 24-ish range, like 24 to 30 most weeks in the rankings for me. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right, well, that's that's good. I mean, that's somebody that we could use right now. Uh, by the way, Damian Harris just got saw the news here on Damian Harris. Day-to-day, checked out okay after a rough game against Houston. Final one here, guys. I'm going to give you just a few minutes for this. I won't even talk, so it's all you. From King Hassan, which draft strategy would have panned out the best as of now? Wait on quarterback, hero RB, top three tight end in the first two rounds, etc. Jacob, first word, which draft strategy would have panned out the best so far? Um, I think here RB has, you know, been, especially if you like, I don't know if you guys, have you seen Gretch's team on, uh, unbelievable. And, yeah. yeah. This is the top scoring team in Scott Fishbowl, right? Yeah. It was the yeah. end of this week. Um, so like if, especially if you were, were able to, you know, hit on the right receivers in those mid rounds and he really nailed them. Um, I think that's probably been the optimal strategy. I think the top three tight ends is, you know, unless you thought Kittle was one. Um, but if you got Waller or Kelsey, then you're probably you know pretty happy with those picks, but um, yeah, yeah, probably here RB would be my answer. I don't know how people feel about Darren Waller right now. They're a little salty with Darren Waller. Yeah, uh, Darren Waller yeah, had a like, better game in week the, five. Had some drops. The and there was one should have been touchdown that Carr ver- barely overthrew. Carr's still throwing the ball down the field. His average depth of target has still been above eight or intended air yards per target has been still been above eight point five every week so far this season, I believe. So uh, I don't really have any concerns about Waller. Like there's week to week fluctuation. And when it happens during the course of a four or five game stretch, it's frustrating. 
it evens out over the course of the season. I'm not worried about Darren Waller. Uh, so, Chris, um, what what uh, draft strategy do you think has worked best? I think it's been here or RB, and I think generally speaking, the data historical draft data suggests that is the optimal draft strategy at this point. Um, and I think prioritizing PPR type running backs has really worked out so far this season. I mean, you see Austin Eckler, a guy who, you know, supposedly couldn't score touchdowns has seven through five games, which is pretty incredible. Um, but even like Chase Edmonds before last week was doing really, really well. Um, so Deontay, Deandre Swift as well. I think those three are kind of varying versions of Spider-Man pointing at each other right now. Um, so I think here are being, especially in your PPR leagues, focusing on pass catching running backs has really, really worked out well and um, avoiding the running back dead zone. I mean, this has been one of the best years uh, that I can think of in terms of evidence against the running back dead zone being worth targeting. Cause Mike Davis has been a little disappointing. Miles Gaskin has been a total bust before last week. A bunch of other guys in that range have, you know, really struggled to get going. So I think, you know, maybe it's confirmation bias. This is the the type of draft strategy I go with every year anyway. But like the Miles Sanders, James Robinson, Javante Williams, that tier of running backs has been really disappointing. James so, Robinson? Is that you were meant to say? Uh, no, Javante Williams was being drafted in that range. Oh, you did say James Robinson, though. Oh, not James Robinson. I was I meant to say someone else then. I don't okay. know who it was. Yeah, I mean, um, Chase Edmonds and DeAndre Swift technically were in that range, yeah, too. Yeah, and, and Kareem Hunt was, too. Like, there are, there are examples, but for the most part, there have been... I, I think it's been the right strategy this year, and I think it, it will continue to be. Yeah, I think... Uh, I think there are a lot of different... As is every year, a lot of different strategies yeah. could work, but... I mean, the best strategy is pick the best players. Yeah. What really shocks me, I think, is how disappointing Stefan Diggs, Calvin Ridley, and DeAndre yeah. Hopkins have been. I thought those mm-hmm. would be incredibly safe picks, and a great way to start your team would have been Hero RB with one of those guys, and I wonder how the teams who have who took those players are doing um, so far. A.J. Brown. like yeah. the, the round two receivers have been kind of kind of crummy. And, eh, and that's a little harsh. High- the high-end quarterbacks, I mean, some of them have been unbelievable. Like, if you've got Patrick Mahomes, Tom Tom Brady, Josh Allen, Kyler Murray, Justin Herbert, maybe even Jalen Hurts, you're doing incredibly well. But among the top, like, 10 or 12 quarterbacks who are being drafted in the top 100 on average, it's been a little hit or miss. I mean, Lamar Jackson will be fine. But, but who's the – who's Jackson's the only one who's been – of the Aaron top, Rodgers was still uh, yeah, a but top of the top quarterback. Yeah, but the top like seven or eight have all been pretty good. Right? Yeah, yeah. Except I guess Jackson. Russ's injury changed yeah, that a little bit. Right. Um. Yeah. Okay. All right. That's it for us. Thanks so much for listening, everybody, to this Monday afternoon episode. Remember, we are live every morning now, eight thirty a.m. Eastern. We we'll also have a waiver wire show, on, just on YouTube, not a podcast. Uh, YouTube.com/slash Fantasy Football Today at eight p.m. Eastern on Tuesday. Uh, okay, that's great. Jacob, go lay down. I think you've been up for a little bit too long. <laughs> and uh, have a great day, everybody. We'll talk to you tomorrow on Fantasy Football Today.